0: Welcome to Sacred Justice, a podcast that features discourse rooted in the pursuit of justice as sacred practice. Our weekly discussions reflect on current events, art, media, theology, and how they intersect with the movements for freedom and liberation. We hope that through these conversations, we can foster inclusivity by expanding our learning opportunities. We hope to cultivate digital community beyond the confines of our campus. And we hope to reconnect the church's social and spiritual callings. Join us for the journey. Hello everybody. Welcome back to Sacred Justice. For those of you who have forgotten, this is our podcast at Myers Park Baptist Church. We launched it back in May and we've had amazing speakers come through and just conversation with the regular folks, me and Ben all the time, just talking about things. Um, so, So welcome back to what I'm calling season two or our Honest Holiday sacred adventure series it has so many names right now because by the time you're listening to this we'll be heading into advent yes. um and which ben is very passionate about and he's gonna um, talk about later how we rush into christmas but mm. <laughs> before we get there mm. <laughs> i want to just do a quick recap of season one um we sort of started the season laying the groundwork of what this podcast would be to talk about justice issues current events and also the things, how, how they intersect with our spirituality. Uh, we talked about what does it mean to be white?
1: Mm. We
0: talked about decolonizing liturgy. And then DJ Hairless came through and we did a um, uh, went through your playlist for the what does it mean to be white course. Uh,
1: yeah, that's right.
0: Which was fun. Um, and we also had some special guests, Bethany from uh, Transcend Charlotte. Bethany is mm. the executive director. So Bethany was with us during... August Pride Month in Charlotte to talk about the work that Transcend does. We had the Reverend Dr. Will Gaffney as a guest mm. as well. For those of you who missed her in person here, you mm. can find all of those resources online on our YouTube channel and website. We also had a very powerful conversation. We left off, that was our last episode. Um, The Effects of Long COVID, uh, featuring our, our member Megan Carmelani. And please go back and listen to that. Our kids are getting uh, getting their vaccines. Many of them are. And her, her daughter was one of the first to get it, yeah. um, get the vaccine. But she's very passionate about um, really being mindful of the effects of long COVID, not only in our overall community, but in our children as well. So mm-hmm. please listen to that. So we have amazing, um, amazing episodes that you can go back and catch up on now that you have all this free time around the holidays, right? Mm-hmm. So uh, let us jump in today. I'm Mia McLean, and I'm here with
1: DJ Hairless, uh, otherwise known as Ben Boswell.
0: <laughs> yes, yes, yes. <laughs> you having
1: fun with that, you know. You see, just, I, yeah. DJ Hairless was not a public identity for me until you started putting it out there on Twitter, where you put everything.
0: Well, so. I mean, you know, it's it's on the podcast, so it's public.
1: It is public. That's <laughs> true. That's true. It is public. Yes. As I like to say, some people, you know, God gave some people hair, and those who had beautiful heads, He left bald. You know. I see. I
0: see. You know? mm-hmm. Okay. That mm-hmm. I'll take that. Um, so, so I want to jump in, Ben, with some current events. There's so much happening in mm. the world right now. What is coming up for you this week?
1: Well, there's a lot of trials, I, and I'm so I'm, I'm really court-driven in my thoughts right now because you got what's going on before the Supreme Court this week with. Uh, maybe one of the most substantial gun uh, law cases ever uh, in American history before the Supreme Court, and the decision that comes out of that with now the most conservative Supreme Court that we've had since maybe before the 60s, certainly in my lifetime, is getting ready to weigh in on on gun rights in a particular way uh, that could have dramatic effects and consequences for the American population at a time when, uh, you know, we did have a little brief break from a gun, uh, you know, mass shooting every other day. Um, mm-hmm. A little break, uh, but seems like some of that's coming back now. And um, yeah, what they do this week with that is going to be big. The other two court cases are uh, it, the one for the three men who murdered Ahmaud Arbery in Georgia, one of whom I always like to mention was a former police officer. Um, this this uh, modern-day lynching that we um, learned about uh, actually leading up to and before the murder of George Floyd. And right now there's only one person of color on the entire jury for these three white men. And mm-hmm. so uh, expect similar results to what has happened for other uh, modern-day lynchings, like what happened to Emmett Till and so many other things. The, the parallels here are haunting and disturbing. And of course, also one that I'm one of the things I think I'm one of the ones I'm most interested in seeing how it plays out is the trial of Kyle Rittenhouse for uh, this seventeen year old boy who killed people at a protest in Kenosha, Wisconsin, who was a white a white supremacist. To me, Kyle Rittenhouse is the face of the new America in a lot of ways and and how, his life plays out is a, the a modern instead modern example of, of how whiteness is working in the world today. The fact that he is w- not been in jail since the moment of the thing, the fact that police officers were cheering him on the fact that uh, he's then gotten to speak at major conferences of conservative groups relate uh, and white supremacist groups. Um, and now is on trial and has the potential to judge, um, the judge instructed people in that trial, um, the prosecutors are not allowed to call the people who were protesting, in Kenosha. Um, I don't even think he's allowed to call them protesters. They have to call them something, these derogatory terms. Um, and so the judge has already showed that he is not biased. Um, I mean that he is biased in going into the trial. And so, if we can't hold Kyle Rittenhouse um, and other white supremacist murderers accountable in America for their violence, then there is no hope to change anything. Mm. And so that is what has to happen here. So I'll be I'll be interested to see how those play out. And they you, know, I, I, you know, we're ta- we're recording this before Thanksgiving. So a lot of these things are going to be concluded by then. Um, so maybe you're listening to this podcast on Thanksgiving and you already know the outcome. And you're probably saying, well, Ben, look, Ben was right about how those things turned out. Or maybe you're like, I'm wrong and you know, we can rejoice. So yeah, yeah. Um, yeah, what's on, what's on your mind? Mia, yeah, what's in the news um,
0: for you? Well, first happy Thanksgiving for those of you who are yeah. listening on Thanksgiving. I forgot to say that. Um, and what's what's coming up for me on this particular week which is the week of November 8th, there was a concert this weekend, a festival outside in Houston, called at the World, called the World Festival. I didn't know anything about this. I, we, we were busy with a conference. So I'm, I got online on Saturday night and I was like, what is happening? Apparently, uh, well not apparently, eight people have died so far from injuries mm-hmm. at this concert. Uh, apparently there was some sort of, it was very crowded in the VIP section in the concert in general. There was some pushing and shoving and all of a sudden people started fainting and people started getting trampled on as the crowd started getting frantic. So there were literally people who were crushed to death at this concert. But the point is not to belabor the point of this concert. I wasn't there. I was thinking, are we not in a pandemic? <laughs> not, not to make light of the the death that happened and the injuries that happened because there are people who were very severely injured in the hospital. But I wasn't even thinking about the, like, the fact that, you know, this, this, uh, Stampede happened. I'm like, are we, when I see the video footage from this concert, it is like, I mean, Ben, I mean, I, I know I'm an introvert, but I even think that if you're not an introvert, you would be like, I'm absolutely not participating in this at this time, even with a a booster shot. (laughs) Like I have a boost. I just, I was very much taken aback by um, how crowded it was and how, And also not to blame anybody who was in attendance, but I'm curious about
1: Hmm.
0: sort of the, um, what has led people to rush back into these very unsafe situations following a pandemic. And what I mean by that is, you know, the pandemic really gave me a chance to reflect on the various spaces that I do not want to be in, Mm -hmm. especially around the holidays, but Mm -hmm. not just the holidays. You're (laughs) not there yet. <laughs> it, it gave me a chance to be like, you know, I really don't like going to this concert where I got to stand up the whole time. Like, yeah. I, you know, just, just as, a, as my personal reflections, mm-hmm. but I just sort of feel like it is a hazard. I mean, even if nothing had happened, nobody died. Uh, you look at these, these images of people shoulder to shoulder, it is flu season, cold and flu season. It is just a hazard in general. Cause it's like, if there's an emergency, where do you go? You know. Um, so mm-hmm. I'm just sort of just sitting with, um, People's psyches right now, like what is happening in the American psyche, um, the individual people's individual psychological processes. What is happening right now that makes that so enticing? I don't know. I mean, not that you have mm-hmm. an answer. I just, I, it, you know, I, as you're an extrovert, so maybe you feel differently. I mean, as an introvert, I'm yeah. like I don't even want any part of this.
1: You know, Dr. Barnes and I were talking about that when she was here this weekend for the conference. That. She she was saying, do you remember when you texted me and you said, you know, Dr. Barnes is here and she's she's wandering around. She's looking for a T-shirt. Hey, what's up? And I was like and I didn't say anything because I had already kind of talked to her and I knew that she was kind of just doing her own thing. Mm -hmm. And later she uh, on our way back for her keynote, she said, you know, I was feeling this like overwhelmed feeling being in the space. And so I got up and I was walking around and then I finally just walked out and then walked uh, outside and walked around on your labyrinth for mm. a while and she said i realized while i was walking your labyrinth which she said i just loved your labyrinth um that she re- two things came up for her one was she, we'd forgot we'd forgotten how to conference." Mm we've we've forgotten we're out of the habit of conferencing now so she's like i even though i like to conference i'm used to conferencing i'm out of space and i felt the same thing you know i'm an extrovert off the charts so for me i'm like just like i'm like energy vampiring off of everybody <sighs> feeding me i'm like a balloon filling with their a- energy and um and then uh, but i had to have a nap middle of the afternoon that day now probably because i had just too much going on this weekend, but mm-hmm. that. Uh, Even I felt like I needed a little space. So I think one of the things we just, we've forgotten, but that doesn't necessarily explain what happened at the the concert. I think we've also forgotten how to do things like that in public. Mm -hmm. And part of us is long, it's like, we're in this tension where we're longing for things to go back to the way they were. And we're longing for connection. We're longing for adventure and excitement and a concert experience. But at the same time, we don't know how to do it anymore. We're out of, ha- out of the habit of being in relationship, in community, in public spaces. We're out of the habit of knowing how to behave at conferences and concerts. And those are complex situations. We're actually out of the habit of going to things like Thanksgiving dinner. We're out of the habit of holiday season being what it once was. Mm-hmm. And I think we need to acknowledge that being out of the habit of those things is, first of all, those things are just not natural. It's not mm-hmm. natural that we feel like we know how to do those things well. We get into habits about it and we get accustomed to doing it and that makes it easier for us to do it. And now that we're out of the habit of doing it, I think there's going to be things like this that seem like they should be no problem and normal that go off the rails. Yeah. Uh, or, or, or um, yeah, it's a, it's, an, it's a helpful warning as folks get ready to come back together for the holiday season. Yeah. That your family might not be in the same place as they were Back to, you know, a year and a half ago when you were together or before the mm-hmm. pandemic or and there, there's everybody just like folks are in church. We we talk about all the time. Yeah, People are longing to go back to what it once was. And there is no the, the lie is, of course, that you can. There's mm-hmm. nothing. But it's almost as if human nature is it, it reverts back to the status quo naturally all the time it's like a, we're like a rubber band you can stretch us out as long as you want but as soon as you let go we're going to snap right back to mm-hmm. where we were and by the way we're not going back to the same place we were but we think we are and we want to go back and so that's happening in churches it's happening in families families are like oh we're going to do all the traditions this year for christmas we're going to do bring back everything we once had um and i i kind of feel like some folks might need to just keep making new traditions or keep some COVID <laughs> traditions. you know
0: yes Indeed. Make new traditions. Okay. (laughs) And it's a perfect segue. As we embrace this holiday season, it is Thanksgiving time. You know, probably at the time you're listening, if you're listening after Thanksgiving, you're you're, right into Advent, but it is holiday season, Ben. So Mm -hmm. let's talk about the traditions, the things we love, the things we hate. And we're going to start with food, Ben. Mm, my, so, and, favorite and, That's
1: and my favorite tradition. I want
0: to I want to preface for this for this you know portion of the podcast, this this episode. You know, there is a tendency to romanticize the holidays and, and to to lean into nostalgia, which is beautiful sometimes. And then also, you know, I think COVID in particular for me gave me a lot of space to reevaluate and say, I don't want that tradition anymore. I don't want that food anymore for Thanksgiving. Mm-hmm. I don't, you know. Mm-hmm. So let's start with food. What is a must-have for you?
1: Okay, so these come. This reveals tradition so deeply. So a must-have for me is my mother's oyster dressing. So oh. it is oyster. It is stuffing. It is dressing. I know.
0: I know oyster dressing. Is, I didn't. I, was, I wasn't. Oh
1: ready. Man. And it's by putting the oysters in it, it stays really moist. You know, and it's just got a punch to it that regular stuffing just doesn't have. So that's that's key for me on my on my on my table. Another one's key on my table is I last year I made a very special green bean casserole. I mean, I I went in on this green bean casserole and uh it's been now been demanded that I bring it back again this year. So that's been demanded. Of course, Lucy and I always like to make pies, so we have to have some pecan pie, we have to have some sweet potato pie. Um, you know, there's a big debate about sweet potato and pumpkin. There's a there's a long debate about that.
0: Uh, you know, you know, um, sweet potato <laughs> is superior. It is superior.
1: Yeah, it, and we've talked about this before on here. And I think <laughs> Greg Gerald would agree and makes a really great sweet potato pie mm-hmm. uh, that I plan to get one of those this year, mm-hmm. uh, no matter what I have to do to get that. <laughs> um, and so, yeah, those are some things that are on mine. I mean, obviously, you know, you got to have turkey, you got to have mashed potatoes, you got to have the... Uh, Mom always makes some green sides and stuff like that. But uh, I like to throw a little, you know, I always like to have to throw something wild in there. You know, like one Mm -hmm. year we made some uh, one year I made Brussels sprouts, you know, but I made them in a special way, you know, uh, a little different. So, yeah, I mean, that's I think that's probably it for me.
0: Um, As you were talking, I, I was thinking about stuffing versus dressing. And it's a running joke that black people don't eat stuffing. We only eat dressing. Um and, and we don't like stuffing is just the like the ideas like it's just plain, like mm-hmm. you know, we eat dressing, shrimp dressing, oyster dressing, um, cornbread dressing. Okay, wait a second. Tell amazing, me about yeah. tell
1: me about shrimp dressing. I've never like had I mean,
0: so like you know we make the a lot of us make uh in my family, we make the dressing with cornbread. Mm-hmm. So day old, two day old cornbread instead of you know, like French bread, whatever other people use, croutons yeah, or something, I don't know. Yeah. Um, I, we don't do that. Um,
1: you're not doing a box of stovetop is what you're saying.
0: Absolutely not. Now, I know how to make stovetop taste not like stovetop. Yeah. But if I have my choice, if I'm making it from scratch, we're going to do cornbread. Mm. Um, so you chop up your, your holy trinity, uh, bell pepper, onion, celery, finely chop that up in a food processor, mix that in. You pour in a little bit of chicken stock you know, with the thing. You put your cooked shrimp in there. And, you know, see, whatever kind of see, whatever way you want to season it, whatever, you know, put it in the oven. Boom. Um, we also do something called merloton dressing. I don't know if you mm-hmm. know what a merloton vegetable is. Mm-hmm. No. So um, it kind of looks like a bell pepper, but it's a little bit different taste, texture, a little bit lighter. And we stuff it. We, we clean it out. We mix that in the cornbread dressing with shrimp and things. And then we put it back in like the little bell pepper shape. That's like yeah. the merloton shape. You put it back in, you stuff it, put it in the oven. So you're eating stuffed merloton.
1: It's like stuffed peppers. Yes, but, it's like, yeah. Which I
0: make too. I make stuffed peppers. It's easier. I can't find merloton here. I'm not messing around with that, but I'll make stuffed peppers.
1: Yeah. What do you put in your stuffed peppers? I, I do a corn it, cornbread dressing. dressing. In there? Okay. Yeah.
0: Cornbread, I put a little bit of ground turkey, cornbread dressing, um shrimp, you know, all my Holy Trinity stuff and stuff it back in the pepper I blanch the pepper first, take it out, stuff the pepper, then we put it in the oven.
1: Mm, mm, mm. I need to add some things to my Yes, you got to make you some stuff. It.
0: bell peppers. Um, that's, yes. a must, that's a must for me if I'm cooking. Um, macaroni and cheese is great. I What I enjoyed last year by mm. just celebrating by myself, I just made what I wanted to eat. I made macaroni and cheese, yeah. Collard greens, uh. and a 16 ounce strip steak.
1: <laughs> Where did you get the steak? Did you buy it local? And, and, yeah, and yeah, I just bought it from like up? a tier oh, or
0: something. Yeah, I mean, it was like, I was, having, cause I don't really, I will eat turkey and I'm going to eat it this year if I go by somebody's house. But like, if it's just me, I'm not going to really do the whole bird thing. You're not, a, you're
1: not a turkey a person.
0: No, I make a steak. That's what I want. <laughs>
1: okay. Now you, but are you, so you're not like a day after turkey sandwich person then either. Because, see, the day after turkey sandwich is also a tradition. You I, know mean, I mean,
0: I will eat it. Yeah. But honestly, if I have stuffed peppers, mm. I don't need the turkey and the stuffed pepper. The stuffed pepper has meat. It. you got
1: turkey and the pepper. Yeah.
0: Yeah, It has ground That's turkey. That's when
1: you're getting your turkey.
0: Yeah. So, yeah. I'm, okay. You know, um, I don't, I'm not a big yams person, but I do like sweet potato pie. Mm. Um, mm-hmm. I would do Brussels, I've done Brussels sprouts on Thanksgiving before. Um, yeah. Yeah. So I'm I'm open to the new traditions. I'm tired of the same old, same old stuff.
1: I think everybody should bring some every year you should have at least one new thing. Like I I saw one year this family did egg rolls at Thanksgiving. I thought that was perfect. You know, yeah. make some egg rolls and do something different with it, you know? Um, and you know, I'm I'm all for here for the folks who are just doing Chinese takeout or pizza. Good yeah. for you. God bless you and enjoy your life, you know? Yeah. Right. Yeah. I mean, this is not this does not have to be rocket science. And you can do that and have just as good a conversation with beer and pizza as you can have with turkey and stuffing. Right. Yeah. What, do you, what do you need all that? All that for? It's interesting. I uh, one of the things I was going to talk about with the holiday around food is that I, I, we've gotten out of the habit of thinking through food as a gift item. I don't see it as much as I once did, but it used to be that one of the things most people gave away for the holidays, they would make something. And there's just nothing like a made gift at the holidays Mm -hmm. as a way to do two things. One is to resist the, you know, consumption model uh, that exists within the, the holiday season, where we go buy something at a store and give it away as a gift, but to actually have put your, your effort and your labor and your love into something and then yes. give that to somebody. That's a totally different process. Like give somebody a pie you made, give somebody some brownies you made, some cookies mm-hmm. you made, some, somebody used to give me every year, they would make this, um, this is back in one of my first churches. They make this like, um, candy brittle stuff that you break up it was like peppermint mm-hmm. yeah, or yeah, I
0: know caramel
1: brittle mm-hmm. and, uh, or toffee, you mm-hmm. know, that kind of stuff I think is just creative and yes. interesting.
0: I'm gonna make you all some stuff. I'm gonna make you some pralines okay. this year. All um,
1: right.
0: That's my that's my thing. I like to make pralines. I don't like I'm not a baker. I will learn how to bake eventually, but I like to make pralines. Um, mm-hmm. but there is something about the handmade stuff. There is also something that I've been thinking on about the stuff that doesn't work because we've evolved, our family systems have evolved. Um, when I've been thinking about new traditions, what is it like to rewrite the narrative for the holidays? Mm. Um, you know, there is this tendency to, you know, even when I cook, I cook like I'm cooking for 30 people. Mia, yeah. yeah. <laughs> yeah, there's only three people coming over. You know, <laughs> there's, I, you know, and everybody's family, from what I'm hearing, is experiencing this, where you know, you used to gather 40 or 50 people on Thanksgiving or Christmas, and now it's like 10. Because so-and-so right. moved away and they're not flying in and so-and-so is here and they don't talk to them anymore. So they're not coming right, in. Right. And so, you know, how do we really begin to sit with that and create new stories and new traditions for ourselves?
1: Mm-hmm. And yeah, dealing right. with
0: grief And the loss, right? There is still a sense of loss and grief that comes along with this is this does not look like what it used to look like 25 years ago.
1: I feel like that is the important metaphor for everything that we're facing in life, from what's happening inside the church to what's happening out in the world. And this term I, I, this term came up. I presented this in a life class on Sunday. I, I, a friend of mine, uh, whose name is Ben Joshua Davis, who I met doing some spiritual work with the Academy for Spiritual Formation, sent this article out. Uh, he blogs at Reports from a Spiritual Frontier. And he, he talked about this term called solastalgia. S o l a s t a l g i a that was coined by Glenn Albrecht, hmm. and it's just, the term means being homesickness when you are still at home. Hmm. And he describes it as this. Uh, he kind of talks about his son learning, teaching his son hymns, and knowing his son's never going to love hymns. Mm-hmm. In and having every time he hears his son singing hymns, he has this reminder of himself going back. And sitting in his church and it's like an empty building that once had like 500 people and every time he's in the building he remembers the glory days he can't help but Mm. remember what's gone past and so he's feeling a sense of homesickness and then he was saying he was also applying this to climate change Mm. the world is changing around us which is where glenn albrecht started the term it was coined to describe the grief that's caused when the place that we have, our place is forever altered due to environmental degradation or climate change. So I think about, I thought about uh, you know New Orleans when I read that for you. Like That's your place, your home is never the same again. But but while you're there, you feel homesick for, even if you're there, mm-hmm. you still feel homesick for it. So when you're sitting in church, you're feeling homesick for the church that once was. Yeah. When you're at the house during Thanksgiving and not everybody's there that once was, you're feeling homesick for what once was, and this is, I think, a real emotional thing that's happening for people all the time.
0: Yeah,
1: um, and it's affecting church, how we do church, how people grieve through traditions that have that have been gone. Um, and he references this passage in Nehemiah that has now become, for at least for this week, my favorite passage in the Bible. Um, I want to read the passage. Do you mind? Sure. Okay, so um,
0: we're actually reading the Bible on the podcast. <laughs>
1: this is the Bible. We got to get the Bible in here. Okay. in the, when the exiles returned to Israel and the temple begins to be rebuilt, you know, that's what Nehemiah did. For those of you who don't know about Nehemiah, you better go read it right now. It's an important story in the Bible. Um, it says this, all the people gave a great shout of praise to the Lord because the foundation of the house of the Lord was laid. Now, people need to remember Remember, the the temple was destroyed. So these are folks who went back and are rebuilding the temple. But many of the older priests and Levites, it says, and family heads who had seen the former temple wept aloud when they saw the foundation of this new temple being laid, Mm. while many others shouted for joy. But no one could distinguish the sound of the shouts of joy from the sounds of weeping because the people made so much noise. That's Mm -hmm. the text, Nehemiah 12. And so what I thought was, oh my God, that's what, we're living in a time where there, it doesn't matter, but it's not even age. Although this passage, I think brilliantly shows that it can sometimes be an age question, a generational Mm -hmm. gap here, but the new foundation, the new temple is being built. It's already started and there are people crying Mm -hmm. as they see the new temple being built
0: Mm -hmm. because
1: Mm -hmm. they're, they're longing for the old temple they still grieving the old temple as they're watching the new temple be built. Yeah. I know I'm getting a little churchy right now, but I think that's happening in church. I think it's happening when it comes to family traditions, Mm -hmm. you know, it's like somebody said, Oh, you know, I just, we used to have 12 people come every, you know, and we used to Mm -hmm. have more food and folks would stay longer and they, you know, they had more time and we'd have really good conversations and we'd laugh and, some folks would even spend the night a couple of nights and stay over and we watch football and, you know, and it's like, well, here's this, we have five new people who are coming now and they come from all these backgrounds and they've got their own foods that they want to bring us and their own traditions that they want to bring us. But you're still grieving about the old temple, right? Yeah. The old way of doing it. Yeah. Um, so, yeah, that's, that's soul nostalgia. Soul nostalgia. Everybody's in that.
0: Yes. I mean, I mean, I, you know, I think I've made my peace. I think two years ago, I really did make my peace. Um, when I went to Thanksgiving with my family in Atlanta and it mm. just, I just, it was an awful experience on many levels. It was good to spend time with my aunt and uncle, but, um, there were some other family drama issues that don't even relate to me particularly, but that, that let me know that this is not where and how I want to spend my holiday. Right. And, um, and, but there's this longing of God, there used to be a time when Auntie, Auntie Sharon's like, once my grandparents died, Auntie Sharon was like the matriarch of the family. So my grandmother yeah. died when I was like one. You know, Auntie Sharon became the matrix. She's the cook. She's the one who knows how to cook. She has all the recipes. You know, everything. My mom doesn't cook at all, so we already know where that is. <laughs> so, so we would go to Auntie Sharon's house on Thanksgiving, and it would be like forty people, not all at once. They'd, they'd be coming and going. You know, we would show up late because we were coming from somewhere else, and it was this beautiful experience. And then all of a sudden, Katrina happened, and so she. Yeah. The family was no longer centered in New Orleans. Now the matriarch had moved to Georgia. So we would make the trek up to Georgia. And those first couple of, you know, Thanksgivings in Georgia were very, you know, special. People would come. I would always, we would stay over, you know, for a week or so, just hang out. Mm -hmm. Um, And then we've all gotten older. You know, I moved to New York. I came less. I was doing shows. You know, my mom didn't go usually if I didn't go. So she would stay in New Orleans and, Um, Now that we're just all in a a certain period of our lives where we're having to uh, make new traditions, and I'm perfectly fine with that, you know, and Mm. and, and embracing the newness that is coming, and it's not going to look like you know it did 30 years ago, and that's okay.
1: Yeah, (laughs) Yeah, I think that's the thing. It's it's that's okay. And one of the things he says in here at the end is just because I miss it doesn't mean that it needs to come back.
0: Yeah. Yeah.
1: Wow. Now, talk about somebody with an emotional m- maturity to differentiate themselves from what is required for them or for the rest of the organization or for them and their fa- whole family. You know, just because I'm the one who misses it, just because I want this dish at Thanksgiving doesn't mean everybody wants it. Just because mm-hmm. I miss all of us playing cards until 3 a.m. doesn't mm-hmm. mean everybody needs to be playing cards till 3 a.m., right? Yeah. And so to be able to dip to own our own emotions and to differentiate what the group needs from what I need personally is such helpful and mature uh, emotional activity. Of course, most people are not very mature around the holidays.
0: <laughs> ah. <laughs> for a
1: lot of these folks who are uh, filled with that soul nostalgia, you know, yeah. and just can't. They just can't. For the big watershed moment for me is we used to have to my grandmother. My great-grandmother on my mother's side had a farm, and she was still living on that farm when I was growing up. Uh, It was a chicken farm outside of Richmond, Mm. and uh, they had lots of chickens. And and my great-grandmother, she was amazing. She cut down her own Christmas tree from the woods and drug it in the house when she was 93. This woman was fearless and strong. But she would cook every – she'd cook the whole meal. She'd cook trays and trays of cookies, all Mm -hmm. unique things. Uh, and then she would cook a full meal for the whole family. And this is back when I was a kid. And then I'm talking all me and my cousins, all our parents, all these relatives, aunts and uncles, everybody's there eating. There was a kid's table and the big table. You know, so we grew up as kids with this incredible sort of holiday experience. And then we'd all go into the back room and we'd have to sing Christmas carols while they cleaned the dishes before we could open any presents. Mm -hmm. So we'd have to sing all these Christmas carols with and then we'd open the presents and it was uh, youngest to oldest. So you didn't, you know, your youngest start opening first and then we would go off in a room and play with our toys. And mm-hmm. you know, you just remember these connections with my cousins at that age that you just never forget all those experiences. But after my grandmother died, my great grandmother died, we couldn't replicate it. No, We could never replicate it after the day she died. It never was the same.
0: So, so, so Ben, what is that about? So, so uh, I have some, I have some theories about the inability yeah. to replicate. So of course, like when I'm thinking through some of the, the largeness of the family, you know, and I'm thinking about how like many of us don't even have children and, it, um you know, like my, mm-hmm. there's a, cu- a couple of us do, but um you know, like we don't have these like big families anymore. So like my grandmother had seven children who then had like, three, four, five, seven, eight children each, you who know? right.
1: And then it's like me, and like, well, we yeah. don't we're
0: not we're not able to replicate the open the Christmas gift, the little kids opening because we don't have any. There's also this economic factor of mm. the inability to do that. Like what did your grandmother have that you all didn't? Was it time? Mm. Was it yeah. like was it I mean like what what did, was it the not having to worry about um what was it? I mean, not not even if you can't answer that specifically because she's not here. But oh,
1: man, in my sake, I can tell you exactly what we had that just doesn't exist anymore. We had she this is my great grandmother. Grandma oh. Ficky is her name. Mm-hmm. Uh, German, Norwegian, Scandinavian family. Right. And she had her farm and then she built built houses. She and her husband, my grandpa, Grandpa Ficky, who died before I was born. They built houses for their daughters right next to them. Mm-hmm. So this right next to each other. They had Grandma Ficky on the farm, Dorothy May, and my grandmother, Grandma Marie, all in houses with their husbands. And the husbands all worked and the women all stayed home. Mm-hmm. I'm talking this is like, and they're right next to each other. So you got three powerhouse women, by the way, all of whom have lived into their 90s. Dorothy May and my grandma, Grandma Marie, are all now in 96 and 98. So they, mm-hmm. these women lived into their 90s. These are powerhouse women who could cook. I'm telling you, they could cook anything. You give them a, a bucket of water and some grass and they could cook you a five five course meal, right? And mm-hmm. so they, the three of them would get together and they'd been plotting out planning the cooking for months. I'm talking months beforehand, right? So you've got three women who were not working full-time jobs at the time, mm-hmm. cooking a meal for a massive family they would come over. The other thing is you were talking about having, they all their children, all my grandmother, grand, they had three, three children. So my uncles, my two uncles and my mother, And then they all had two kids each Mm
0: -hmm.
1: right away. So like in their 30s, all of them are in their 30s having two children.
0: Mm -hmm.
1: So you're talking about a big family. Now, imagine coming to a place. First of all, all the women work now. If Mm you go in most families, all the women work or you're starving where you Mm -hmm. live, right? Um, If not, you're very, very wealthy. Like you're either starving or you're very, very wealthy, right? Right. Uh, so most people, the women are all working. They don't have time to be thinking for months about what well, they're going to cook on Thanksgiving dinner. That's the first thing. Right? <laughs> they're each other doing their job, right? Doing their job, uh-huh. you know, and so they, you know, they can plot it out some. But, you know, you can't take five days off of work, right, to get ready for all that. Then you're not living in that close proximity to each other and mm-hmm. you're not having children that young anymore. And if you're having children, you're not having as many. Mm-hmm. Um, and so the dynamics are just totally different. What is a family has changed so radically.
0: This is um, why the conservatives are saying we are attacking, we're attacking the family by yeah. these women going to work. It's just destroying the American family. We can't well, have capitalism, is,
1: capitalism is destroying the American family and they want to blame it on some moral values. Well, how about your moral values around the economy? You know, like yeah. fam, what are your, what are your economic family values? <laughs> about yeah. Yeah. missing saturdays and having to work on sundays and having to work having to have two family working two parent working families instead of one to be able to survive in america yeah. you know um yeah. and so the thing about it is like it's kind of like the strategic plan here like we we created a great an amazing new plan but we didn't get rid of anything and so we got all this new stuff and the old stuff to do and That's mm-hmm. what a lot of families are dealing with. They never we never changed the expectations of what the holidays were supposed to be. Mm-hmm. we We just ask people who have less time to do the same amount.
0: Yeah, yeah., Whew. yes, indeed., ah, so so is there hope for is there hope for the future for us in the holidays? or are we just going to keep living into this? you know? I feel like as we begin to wrap up this conversation for this time, I feel like consumption, is a trauma response. Wait, let me go back. I feel like the consumption that happens during the holidays is yeah. a coping mechanism. That's what yes. I that's what I wanted to say. Yes. yes. I feel like it's coping mechanism. We can't do anything. We could spend money though. I, I can just sit in my bed, right? I could I could be on this podcast right now on Amazon buying my Christmas gifts, you know?
1: Okay, so this is, we gotta bring this into the next week. I know, I know. We it. It Let's there. let this be a teaser because I think you're right. I think it's not only a coping mechanism. It's a substitution for a true relationship mm. you know, If you actually have a real relationship with somebody, you don't have to get them a gift mm. right You're substituting genuine relationship for transaction um, and so the transactional relationships um, that come through the holidays so I, it's always appreciative to me if somebody you know comes up to me and says, you know I was gonna buy you a gift but I don't know what to get you. I just want you to know i really appreciate you and let's go out and have a dinner sometime or let's get a beer or whatever like if you if you don't have to this gift exchange is just something that true relationships are is happening all the time and you don't have to do something over and above that in a holiday season so there's some articles right now that are swirling around about buying nothing for christmas buying no gifts for anybody trying to think through how to do your holiday season a little bit differently i would suggest this year With supply chain issues, and we'll probably talk about this in in future weeks. This is the perfect opportunity when you don't know if you're going to get it in time, even if you buy it on Black Friday. uh, If you're going to get it in time with a supply chain issue, for you to buy local, so you don't have to worry about the delivery because it's not a supply chain problem. If you just buy from your neighbor, Uh, go down the street where they have a shop somewhere and purchase here. Go to the local bookstore. Go to the
0: local. Or buy, you know, if you do want to buy something, I always recommend buying experiences, Mm. you know, so, you know, there, there's, there's very little things I can get for my mother, but she does like to get a foot rub. I can, I can (laughs) give her an experience that's not going to have supply chain issues necessarily. I mean, there is a labor shortage because the economy and all the things, but, you know, there's ways to do it where it's not about how many things are we going to have under the tree you yeah, know how big is it uh I i'm really
1: glad to know question. what to get your mother too i'm really glad to know now what to get your mom <laughs> for christmas i gotta send her something
0: no you don't she's
1: <laughs> i do i love experiences yeah i think that's really yeah. a smart thing plus the cool thing is if you buy an experience that you're going to go do with that person together you know yeah that's also can be good that's for the yeah. extroverts but yes that's that can also be <laughs> that can also be good yeah. Oh man, there's so much here. Let's keep it going. Mia, what yes. do you think? It's gonna be there a is, good advent.
0: Yes. Um, we well, we hope you continue to tune in. We have three more episodes um as we lead us through Advent, which is very important. Um, I have not I know Ben is wondering this. I have not put my Christmas tree up yet, but probably by the time this episode comes out, it will be up. I'm so sorry. Ooh. I have company coming to stay with me for Thanksgiving. I have to have a festive house. We're just gonna call mm. it a holiday tree. It's gonna be a ho- Thanksgiving tree.
1: holiday tree. <laughs> yes, that's good. You know, the Puritans <laughs> outlawed Christmas and so they knew what they were doing. They they had good reason for that back in the day. Yes.
0: Yeah. So what we'll we we have that. different
1: yeah, I think it's how we keep Advent and how we keep Christmas is is a very personal thing, but it's also something we should be intentional about. So that's what yeah. we're going to try to help you do with these podcasts.
0: Yes. All right. Thank you all for joining. I hope you enjoyed and come back and listen next Thursday.
1: Yep. See ya.
0: Friends, that was our episode this week. As always, please email your questions and your suggestions to Reverend Mia McLean at m-m-c-c-l-a-i-n at myersparkbaptist.org Until next time, take care. This is Sacred Justice.